Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco, and these are the stories we're following. Three groups are taking their fight to overturn a policy regarding rooftop solar to the California Supreme Court. The policy by the California Public Utilities Commission significantly slashes the credit new solar users get for sharing their extra solar energy with the grid. It went into effect last April. And since then, the rate of new customers plummeted about 82 percent, according to state data. The Center for Biological Diversity, the Protect Our Communities Foundation, and the Environmental Working Group tried to appeal the policy in December. The state appeals court upheld the ruling. Now the groups are making the case that decision ignored state law. And the federal government has announced that it's awarding California $600 million to fight homelessness. KQED Housing Affordability Editor Aaron Baldessari has more. The funding represents a 14% increase over last year's allocation to the state. But although federal funding for solutions to homelessness has increased steadily over the past decade, the number of people experiencing homelessness in California has also increased to more than 180,000, the most of any state. California has made its own significant contributions to combat the issue. Since 2018, the state has invested more than $20 billion to housing and homelessness programs. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Baldessari. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randal Fatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. A 2023 law made it legal for DACA recipients to become police officers in California. But a new investigation from CalMatters shows uptake has been slow across the state. Justo Robles reports. Public information officers for multiple California police departments confirmed they haven't hired any newly eligible immigrants. This includes San Francisco, Bakersfield, and Riverside. 
That's despite the fact that these departments have dozens of unfilled positions. Before the law, police officers in California had to be U.S. citizens or green card holders who have applied to citizenship. Now, you can become a police officer as a non-citizen, as long as you have a federal work authorization. Since DACA, or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, recipients, have federal work authorizations, they are the most likely to benefit. Departments that haven't hired any eligible immigrants cited concerns in background checks and firearm safety. Though it is worth noting that LAPD has hired 10 new officers under the law. That was Cal Matters reporter Justo Robles. And now more from a story we brought you last week. For the past two years, undocumented students at the University of California have campaigned to be allowed to work on campus. They argued that they were missing out on opportunities to work with professors and in labs, which could further their academic careers. And they need the money. Unlike those granted DACA status, undocumented students can't work at all. Last week, the University of California regents voted to halt a plan that would have allowed the university to hire them. The motion to suspend is approved. That's Jeffrey Umania Munoz, an undergraduate student at UCLA. He's one of the lead organizers of Opportunity for All, the campaign to allow thousands of immigrant students to work on campus in positions like graduate researchers or teaching assistants. Umania Munoz says he's deeply disappointed, but not surprised by the regent's decision to table the proposal until next year. The diversity pamphlets that they throw us in are lies. They parade us around like the jewelry that they wear because all they're used to is being is being coveted wealthy people that get to do whatever they want with their life because they will never see the impact. But I feel the impact. Under the 1986 Immigration Reform and Control Act, employers are barred from hiring undocumented people without legal work authorization. The plan that was rejected was a workaround, relying on a legal theory developed by the UCLA Center for Immigration Law and Policy. The theory argues that the federal law does not apply to states. Here's UC President Michael Drake. We have concluded that the proposed legal pathway is not viable at this time and in fact carries significant risk for the institution and for those we serve. Drake said if the plan was approved and found in violation of the law, the university could face civil or criminal penalties. The UC president also said he feared it would put billions of dollars in research grants at risk. But Ahilan Arulanantham, a UCLA law professor who helped advance the legal theory, said that's inaccurate. The only real risk is that the federal government could sue in court to try, to try and get an order to stop the program from running. But nobody's going to jail or getting fined or anything like that. Arulanantham said the university system has a moral obligation to their nearly 4,000 undocumented students. Currently, there are 14,000 undocumented students who graduate high school in California every year, and none can apply for DACA, which would allow them to legally work in the U.S. That's because in 2021, a federal judge ruled the program is unlawful and ordered the Biden administration to stop taking new applications. That's why the proposed plan was celebrated by many immigrant rights advocates as a way to help undocumented students stuck in limbo. But the university faced some backlash from conservative scholars, some Republican politicians, and most notably, the Biden administration. The administration asked the regents to reconsider the plan they say would directly challenge the federal government during an election year. 
Here's UC President Michael Drake again. As we take a pause on the legal pathway, there are other things that we can do. We can expand the support we are currently providing to undocumented students in other ways, separate and distinct from the legal pathways that we have been exploring. For his part, Umania Munoz says he's going to keep advocating for the right to work on university campuses for all students, regardless of immigration status. The university will consider the proposal again next year. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, January 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy works to create a cleaner, healthier, more secure world for all. On the web at theschmidt.org Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.